The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. Of college football reigns supreme all year long. Now more college football talk with the king of college football. It's the Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today. It is indeed the Chuck Oliver Show. Dan Matthews in for Chuck on this Tuesday. Special thanks to uh, Dave Bartu, College Football Matrix at CFB. Matrix is how you can find him as uh, he joins us uh, every single week. And I think there was a lot of uh, interesting things to uh, talk about there because it is May 17th. So in terms of actual on the field stuff, that's not going to be the case right now. So what do you do during talking season? You talk college football as a whole. And we did that of talking about Sam Pittman, what, you know, necessarily they can expect at Arkansas, not only this season, but beyond this season. And then also too with Nick Saban, because He's exactly right, and that's why I almost think that the replacement is going to have to be somebody who is there in that pressure cooker that is Tuscaloosa and what that job is and what not only is expected there in the state of Alabama, but what's also expected nationwide and around the game with that program. And I think that's something that he's exactly right. It's going to have to be somebody who has ties to the man because it's how do you want this thing run? What's a successful program look like here? Well, I know exactly what it looks like because I've been around it. And I think if nothing else, it's somebody that maybe would be there as well. But, you know, for Bama fans out there, I get it. I'm probably going to get tweets about it. You're already trying to retire the man. I'm not trying to retire the man. But I'm also trying to think about what does this program look like after Nick Saban is no longer here? Because there is going to come a time when that's the case. And I get the whole, well, just enjoy it for now. I'm not saying I'm not enjoying it right now, but I'm also thinking about it from the perspective of what does this program look like after he's gone? And I think that's a reality that has to be thought about at certain points. And when it's May 17th, that's when you start thinking about it. And then when it's September 17th, well, of course you don't think about it because you're in the middle of the season entering week three. So that's how it all shakes out. Uh, Still to come, though, uh, coming up uh, here in about 10 minutes, our good buddy Kelly Quinlan from Jackets Online. He's going to be our truest reporter today. So we're going to be talking with uh, Kelly Quinlan and then bottom of this hour, we'll talk a little bit of uh, LSU. We got into a little bit with uh, Dave Bartu, but we'll get into it even more with uh, good buddy Matt Moscona, ESPN 104.5 in Baton Rouge. But I want to start here by talking about, because remember one of the last times I hosted this show is I talked about there is a difference between belief and hope when it comes to your college football program. All college football programs hope that they can be a competitive program for some it is a little bit more of a reality than it is for others. There is a difference between believing. Like in Athens, Georgia, they believe that they can win a national title. They just did it. In Tuscaloosa, they believe that they can win a national title because they've done it numerous times. They believe that they can win the SEC championship because, see, the last answer, the same deal there. And the same goes in Baton Rouge, even though the last couple of years have not necessarily been what LSU fans had hoped but they still believe that they can be a competitive program. 
Tennessee, for the longest time, had hoped that they could be a competitive program again because at one time they did believe in the late 90s they were winning a national title. They were winning the SEC. They were putting themselves in position to get any player from anywhere in the country, and they were doing, doing so with success. So they believed. They probably, for the better part of the last 15 years, have hoped that they could be so because after about the 2009 season when they made Philip Fulmer retire, Tennessee has not been anywhere close to being that program. They had a couple of decent years with Butch Jones, but for the most part, they haven't been that. But now it seems like with Hendon Hooker there and with Josh Heupel, they believe. So when you believe, what do you necessarily try to look for? You try to look for scenarios where you can try to set yourself apart from everybody else, not only in your own division in their case, but in your own league, your own conference, and in, in college football in general. And I think one of the ways that has been kind of a status symbol for the longest time is marquee early season neutral site games because – if you're chosen for a marquee early season neutral site game, more often than not, let's just say the Peach Bowl, for example, they're choosing you because they believe that, A, you can get eyes on the television to be able to watch that game, but also, too, that you can get people to show up and pack in the stadium for said game and that there is going to be enough interest for people to be able to make the trip to go to that certain point. Well, Tennessee yesterday did something that probably in years past, if you had seen Tennessee do this, you would have probably said, all right, what necessarily think, makes you think that people are going to care enough? And in this matchup here, it's not the sexiest matchup, but I think it's what they're saying to the rest of college football. So they have announced that they are going to start next season in Nashville against Virginia and Tony Elliott and the Virginia Cavaliers, who have had a couple of decent seasons, but for the most part is a program that is trying to find their footing in the ACC again. And they are going to play this game neutral site there, Nissan Stadium, uh, in uh, Nashville, so that's going to be exciting enough. It's going to be wall-to-wall Tennessee Orange for that game because anytime they play in Nashville, that is always an exciting trip. And it's also, too, a huge part of their fan base is there in the Nashville area, so they will be showing up for that game. But I think that more than anything, it's Danny White and it's Josh Heupel saying we can play in games like this again because we believe that we belong in playing in games like this again. I want to take people back to the example of Kirby Smart's first game he ever had was in the Georgia Dome, and they were playing against North Carolina in the Chick-fil-A kickoff game, which, of course, is part of the Peach Bowl and everything of the such, and it's one of the premier early season kickoff games out there. I think, if nothing else, has probably given rise to other bowl games to say, yeah, hey, you know, maybe we didn't have – the greatest showing for our game last year. So let's be able to improve our revenue stream and have one of these games at the start of the season. Las Vegas in a couple of years going to have one with LSU taking on USC. That's going to be a hugely attended game. We've seen Alabama play in numerous ones of these, either in Atlanta or even over in Dallas for the, I guess at the time they call it the Advocare game. I don't even know what they call it now. If indeed they are going to have a game at AT&T Stadium this year. But regardless, these are games that are reserved for the tops of the tops to be able to not only get a lot of fans there because the first game of the season, it's going to have a lot of excitement. But when you pair them up against a top-tier opponent, then it's going to have even more excitement. Last year, we saw it in Charlotte with the Dukes-Mayo kickoff classic between Georgia and Clemson, and Georgia won that game. And I think immediately after winning that game, said to themselves, 
maybe a national title is a reality here. Maybe that is something that we can think about going forward because after that, they didn't have a game on their schedule until they got to the SEC championship game that you looked at and said was going to be necessarily a tough out for them that Saturday. So in this case right here, it's Tennessee saying we deserve to start playing in games like this again. We need to start playing in games like this. And to circle back to the Kirby point is I remembered after they beat North Carolina that day, he was sitting at the podium with Nick Chubb and I forget the other player there. Regardless, he was sitting there and he said, I want to play in this game every single year. Gary Stoken, who was the head of the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl, was in the back of the room and he yelled out, I'll sign that contract right now. Because he also knew that anytime you get Georgia playing in the city of Atlanta, you're going to have just almost every single seat filled with red and black clad fans rooting for the dogs. And you're going to be able to have a sellout, if not a near sellout for that game. So in this case right here, it's also what benefit do you bring to us? If you are, say, in this case right here, I'm sure it's going to be put on by the Music City Bowl. So the Music City Bowl saying, all right, how many Tennessee fans can we expect to have for this game? probably going to have a full stadium of Tennessee fans and have a little sliver of Virginia fans. But if nothing else, it's excitement for them to say, hey, we're not opening the game at Neyland Stadium against Appalachian State or against Middle Tennessee or somebody like that. We're actually opening this game against a Power 5 opponent. Now, are they the greatest Power 5 out of the ACC? No, but they're still a Power 5 opponent, and that's going to have enough excitement on its own for that game. But there's a reason why up until this year, I think it had been about 10 or 12 straight seasons that Alabama had played a neutral site game to start their season. Why is that the case? Because Alabama sells and they know that them coming to play in Dallas is going to have a lot of people from Alabama for the game. And also, too, when you win, a lot of people want to glom on to what your success is. So you've got Alabama fans in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. You've got Alabama fans who say, hey, you know what? I'd like to go see what Jerry Jones's stadium looks like. Yeah, that actually seems like a trip that would interest me. So then they make the trip to Jerry World and go see the game. And the same goes for other programs that have played in such games like this, that, yes, you want excitement because the excitement enough is the start of the season. But isn't there a little bit more juice when you say, for example, are Georgia taking on Oregon this year in Atlanta for the Chick-fil-A kickoff? That's going to be an exciting game from the standpoint of Oregon's a team that has been in the running to possibly make the college football playoff. In certain cases, even in the very first one, they made the college football playoff. So they're a national enough brand that that's going to bring excitement. And also to a guy that used to be on your coaching staff is now leading at said program. So that's going to be exciting. So for Tennessee, I don't think it was that hard for them to say, yeah, BYU, we're not coming to Provo next year. As a matter of fact, we'll go ahead and pay you that money. And if you want to go ahead and try to find someone, which now I'm sure BYU will have to go find UC Davis or somebody like that to be able to step in, because I'm sure for them it sucks, but it's also too as well. You know how Chuck talks about all the time? We're here for your coach. In this case right here, that's the other status part of this as well, is that you get to look to a program like BYU and say, yeah, not sexy enough for us, not what we're looking for, not what we want. Uh, We're actually going to go play a neutral site game in Nashville as opposed to this time of the year coming to Provo, Utah, and playing against you and bringing a lot of our fans to you. Uh, In this case right here, maybe in a few years we'll revisit this, but for right now, 
we're thinking about Virginia and that game. So that's what's on our minds at this moment. So I just think that uh, if nothing else, it's a great day and a uh, great thing to have if you're Tennessee to be able to open the season in Nashville and to be able to at least be relevant enough to be wanted for said games. So that's something that they can necessarily be excited about for next season. All right, coming up next, Jackets Online, Kelly Quinlan. We'll talk a little bit of uh, Georgia Tech, not necessarily something we get to do all the time but a huge transfer added to their program want to pick kelly's brain about that it's dan matthews in for chuck this is the chuck oliver show southern sports today the winningest team in baseball also has the most saves and people who save the most money are winners so start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only ten dollars each these bonds earn a fixed seven percent apy and there's no fees penalties or minimum balance required and they can be redeemed whenever you like You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. This morning in North Carolina, wheels are spinning. Determination is winning. A passion is now a thriving business. And it shows no signs of slowing down. How? The power of a conversation. Like the one Clint Spiegel had with First Horizon Bank about starting a bike wheel manufacturing facility in Asheville. Now it's not just talk, it's rubber meets road. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Clint. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. of college football no matter where you go with a new southern sports today app catch the best college football conversation in the south everywhere with the sst live stream and daily podcast downloaded now at the app store and the google play store now more of the best college football talk in the country it's the chuck oliver show It is the Chuck Oliver Show. Dan Matthews in for Chuck on this Tuesday. Let's get right to it. Let's talk some Georgia Tech with publisher and writer for JacketsOnline.com. He is Kelly Quinlan. At Kelly underscore Quinlan is how you can find him. Kelly, how we doing, buddy? I'm good, man. How you doing, Dan? I got no complaints. Things are good. I mean, yeah, it's May 17th, so we're a couple of months away from uh, hopping back into the media days circuit, so that means soon enough a trip up to Charlotte, so that'll be good. And then soon enough we're kicking off, so we're getting uh, closer and closer. Uh, one of the uh, main reasons to uh, bring you on today is a guy named Tyson Pumachon, and I know that uh, Georgia Tech fans and ACC fans knew about him from when he was at Clemson, but, you know, just just him coming in now to this uh, Georgia Tech program. Uh, what exactly did they get in terms of this transfer quarterback yesterday? I think the big thing they needed was a more veteran body to compete with Jeff Sims and, and you know, uh, uh, more options as a backup quarterback. You have Zach Gibson, the kid they got from Akron. You have Zach Pyron as a true freshman. And that was it behind Jeff. And Jeff's football style, the way he runs and uses his body and extends plays, leads itself to, to concern, you know, over durability over a season. So you needed someone that makes some sense. I think he does. I think getting a kid with the talent that, that uh, Tayson has is, is going to be really, you know, advantageous for just the depth piece of it. You know, is it going to be Jeff Sims? I, I don't think so, but, um, competition is as Jeff Collins like to call it, is king at Georgia Tech and 
they needed some competition. That QB room, the QB room's totally changed over. There's one guy left from last year and Jeff Sims. So I like what they're doing. They're trying to, to find some unique ways, you know, and it's an opportunity for this young man to get a great education in the interim and, and then maybe a chance to actually play where he was kind of stuck at Clemson behind some big-name guys. You know, it'll be interesting to see how he fits in, if he can win the number two job, kind of where, where this competition lies this, uh, this fall. And, I mean, do you think that it is more of what you just talked about right there, or is it also, too, that it's Chip Long saying – yeah, I'm not so sure that Jeff Sims is my guy. I mean, do you think that it is just chiefly the competition and then try to make him better? I think if they wanted someone to come in and, and start, there were a few guys like Emory Jones that could have made a play for him. He was definitely interested in coming. They just were not interested. They like Jeff Sims. They like his abilities. You know, the main thing with Jeff now is just working on the between the ears piece and, and staying healthy. And I think they're pretty comfortable with where he's at. I think ultimately, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see what the product looks like on the field. I think that's the big, the big tell and all of this. But really, I mean, you want to have four scholarship quarterbacks in your room regardless. And I feel like this was a low risk, high reward kind of take for them at this point. Kelly Quinlan, Jackets Online, joining us here on the Chuck Oliver Show. He is our truest reporter for it today, as uh, you can find him on Twitter, at Kelly underscore Quinlan. And the transfer portal as a whole, Kelly, I mean, I know that you have brought up a few names that initially were thought to be Georgia Tech bound and have end up elsewhere, ended up elsewhere. Uh, how are they just as a whole faring this offseason in that, in that department? You know, I think right now the one thing that they would love to add is a veteran offensive tackle that could play left tackle. And those are like finding unicorns in the transfer portal that everyone fights over them. Uh, you know, that's been tough, but they've added some nice pieces. They've gone and kind of backfilled. They had a couple guys medical out in the last two classes on the offensive line. So they went in and added Corey Robinson and a kid named RJ Adams uh, from Kentucky who can give them. Um, a little bit of a, a not freshman body, but somebody that's been in a college football strength program. They've added some help in the secondary. I think they're going to add some more later this week, um, you know, for the summer session. And they're working on the defensive line, still trying to maybe add a piece or two. There's still an opportunity for Morris Joseph, the kid from Memphis who committed and then backed off his commitment to Georgia Tech. He still could end up on the flats, too. And there's Stefan Wynn, a kid from Alabama that's a defensive lineman uh, that played for the Tide briefly um that's in play with them in nebraska there's a, there's a lot of different guys sort of still floating around here in the wind that could end up and I, I could see georgia tech adding four more transfers before summer school starts so uh it's going to be interesting to see i think it's still kind of an incomplete on the grade because there's still pieces coming in and they added ej jenkins a kind of jumbo athlete wide receiver tight end from south carolina yesterday as well who's a nice piece just gives them a bigger body on the outside that they can create mismatches with uh, let's get right to it just in terms of this coaching staff i mean there's a lot of consternation of what exactly the future holds for jeff collins there on the flats so i'll just go ahead and just ask it can they save their jobs this season or is that a foregone conclusion that that's kind of already been decided i, I think they can absolutely save their jobs i think todd stansberry the ad wants them to save their jobs 
he is making it as easy as possible for them to to do. I think you know five six wins saves their jobs, right? So you look at the ACC now with Jordan Addison gone from Pitt, that changes the entire dynamic of that game, right? Mm-hmm. You have Clemson coming in in the season opener with two new coordinators and not necessarily a team that starts fast um, to begin with. You know who knows what you're getting there. You know, if they can make it through that gauntlet with two or three wins, the first five games are their toughest games except for Georgia. And so if you get through that with two or three wins, you're set up for a bowl game. They're they're safe. If you get two wins, I think you're still safe. They win one game in the first five, I think it's going to be tough for Jeff to survive that. But, you know, the team's a lot better. They were a lot better last year. They just weren't. I think the coaching wasn't there and the player development wasn't there to get them over the hump. And they had some key injuries on the offensive line. If you can avoid that this year, I think you can get into where you're competing for the coastal, which is soon to disappear. And, um, you know, have a, a more competitive program. I mean, if they had four or five plays last year, go their way, they go to a bowl game. So, I, you know, to me, their margins are getting better, but fans don't care about that, right? They've had 20-something years of consistent going to bowl games, being successful, competing for the division. And this squad hasn't done it yet, so everyone's sort of in the show-me-don't-tell-me mode now. Yeah, and that's actually where I wanted to go next is, I mean, as kind of all the rah-rah and the tweets and, you know, the the Braves hats and the, and, and the Waffle House cups and, and all of that different types of stuff with Jeff uh, Jeff Collins, has that necessarily been with the fan base of, oh, my gosh, we don't care, like give us more of a version of like what Dave Doran does at NC State. Just be a football coach and I'll worry about everything else. Well, they loved it at the beginning because it was the opposite of what Paul Johnson did. It's like anything, right, in life. you you People tend to go to the opposite thing of the thing that they were tired of or, you know, left them or whatever. And in Paul's case, he retired, right? So they went to the complete opposite, which is Jeff, who's a, you know, a salesman, right? Like he's a recruiting guy, a salesman guy. Like he sold his vision and sold the hell out of it. But at the end of the day, they didn't produce. And Georgia Tech fans are also very pragmatic. So now they're like, let's coach, you know, coach something. Don't tell me about X, Y, and Z. So Jeff Collins' mode has been, you know, it's all about ball now, right? This is what his sort of saying is. And he hasn't tweeted in like almost eight, nine months himself. They've kind of calmed down with a lot of the stuff on Twitter. And, you know, the proof will be in the pudding, right? Like, and they hired hard-nosed coaches, too. Chip Long and Chris Winkie are hard-nosed coaches. Tavares Tillman, like uh, David Turner. Like, the guys he added to his staff are not, um, you know, cuddly on the football field kind of guys. So I think the the whole demeanor of the team's changed a lot, too, in the last six, eight months. I got about one more minute, Kelly. And one mm-hmm. of the things I talked about yesterday with uh, Chuck to close out the show was, you know, we see the news out of Lake Oconee that Dan Mullen is in the area, uh, about 30 seconds, actually. So do you think there's any harm in bringing him in as a consultant or an analyst? If if he wants to, yeah, I'm curious what the relationship is like with Jeff these days, but they were obviously close at one point. So I think, you know, they brought Jim Chaney in. I think the more guys they can have to help them, the better. So if he's open to it, I think it makes a lot of sense. Kelly, great stuff as always, buddy. At Kelly underscore Quinlan is how you can find him on Twitter. Kelly Quinlan Jackets online. We'll uh, catch up soon, if uh, not before ACC kickoff, sir. Sounds good, Dan.
I appreciate it. Again, Kelly Quinlan. And, yeah, I mean, look, you know, it's one of those things that I think if you're Jeff Collins being all about ball, well, how can you be all about ball? Have really good coaches in there. And despite what people think about Dan Mullen, you heard what Dave Bartu says about him. I mean, still thought of as being an outstanding coach in terms of offense. So you got Chip Long there. You got Jim Chaney. I don't see what the harm is in having somebody else that can offer some good expertise. Let's go from Georgia Tech to LSU. Matt Moscona, ESPN 104.5 next. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves. And people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY. And there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required. And they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. This morning in the Atlanta airport, no one's missing a meal on Mac Wilburn's watch. With 11 restaurants to serve passengers, he's got dining for every destination. And it all started when Mac talked with First Horizon Bank about opening a franchise in the airport. Now it's open for business and cleared for takeoff. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Mac. First Horizon Bank member FDIC. college football time in the south now back to more of the king of college football chuck oliver on southern sports today been a fun tuesday here on the chuck oliver show dan matthews in for chuck southern sports today southern sports today app also too as well you missed the show you want to go back listen to both hours you can do it there you want to be able to go back and listen to shows from last week you can go ahead and do it there when we have top tier guests on the show we post them up right there, podcast. Southern Sports Today app. Oh, it's free, by the way. Can't say that enough. It's free for you. So during road trip season right here, uh, the uh, Southern Sports Today app is your friend. Uh, let's go from one friend to another friend. Let's talk some LSU with uh, my good buddy Matt Moscona, ESPN 104.5, and everything in between in Louisiana. At Matt Moscona is how you can find him on Twitter. After further review, weekdays, 3 to 6 p.m. Central, ESPN Baton Rouge, New Orleans, Alexandria, and of the such. Scone, how are we doing today, buddy? Dan, I'm good, man. How are you? I got no complaints. Things are good here as, uh, you know, just uh, moving along on a middle of May day talking about some college football. So things could be much worse. We're getting close, man. Um, like when you start to see like Phil Steele today put out that is he's doing his final coaching interviews for his magazine, like it's almost magazine preview season. Like that's it's like the summer benchmark you know, when you're getting close. So I'm excited. No, very much. I mean, we had uh, Braden Gall from Athlon on last week, and he was talking about how they are rounding in the shape in terms of production. And soon enough, right around Memorial Day, we're going to start seeing those magazines on the stands. So we got that to look forward to, which is nice. Um, Let's start first with uh, a little bit of recruiting before we get into Brian Kelly and everything else of the such. And that is uh, Sam Spiegelman last uh, last week catching up with uh, Arch Manning, a name that everybody's talking about right now. 
and he had mentioned about wanting to find out more about Florida and LSU. Is there any real belief that maybe during that visit that LSU could all of a sudden kind of throw things out of the loop that has been the three teams that have consistently been talked about, Alabama, Georgia, and Texas with Arch Manning? Realistically, no. I mean, I'll I'll put it to you this way. There's more engagement with Arch and LSU under this head coaching regime than the previous. And throughout the process, Arch had some kind of dark horses. I mean, his his sister goes to school at Virginia, so UVA was kind of considered this sort of dark horse. And he was kind of intrigued by Notre Dame. So there is a relationship there with Brian Kelly. But, I mean, Dan, realistically, the kid, the kid only gets to pick one school. And I don't know how LSU or Florida, for that matter, makes up the ground that they'd have to to overtake a Texas, a Bama, or a Georgia, however it may go. Ultimately, I think it will be Texas. And I think most LSU fans are just resigned to the fact that they're never going to get a Manning on, on LSU's campus. And no one's really expecting Arch um, to end up in the purple and gold. Why? Why is there such a belief that Texas is a strong possibility for him? I mean, if you just read the tea leaves in recruiting circles, I mean, he's got a really good relationship with Sarkeesian. Um, I think the Manning family has always encouraged their their kids to carve their own path, you know, do do what they want to do, go where they want to go. Uh, that was certainly the case back in 93 when Peyton went to Tennessee. And, um, you know, uh, Eli, of course, went to Ole Miss. That's where he wanted to go. It's Cooper went to Ole Miss. But you know, they've why, – why Texas? I, that's probably something you just have to ask Arch. But I certainly believe that Sarkeesian being there is a big part of it. Matt Moscona, ESPN 104.5, after further review weekday afternoons. You can find him there in Baton Rouge and beyond. And let's get into – the program as a whole, uh, Brian Kelly. I mean, we've talked about the transition of him hiring on coaches and taking over for Ed Ogeron and everything that was in between there. Just the kind of thousand foot view right now, Matt. How is that transition going to this point? I, you know, Dan, I really think that they've, they've hit uh, a, a very sort of cruising altitude, if you want that analogy. It's not to say that they're not still pushing forward, but yeah, any type of bumpy takeoff it has really leveled out. I mean, Brian Kelly's doing the, they have a thing that they call like the tiger tour care of coaches caravan where mm-hmm. they get these coaches and make stops all over the state. And they also stop in Houston and different parts. And he, he's on that and he's meeting boosters. And I, he's got his staff assembled. The, the biggest challenge initially, Dan was, I mean, he came in and he had to overhaul everything. They changed, they turned over almost 50 people in football ops. So not just the on-field staff, but the support staff as well. I mean, that much turnover, getting everybody pulling in the same direction. And then remember, when they played that bowl game, they had 39 scholarship players available. They had 17 mid-year enrollees. He had to build a roster. He had to build a coaching staff. He had to build a support staff. And all the while, you got people talking about dancing videos and his accent. I mean, he's gotten through all of that, and now you can tell – He's, he's made it through spring. Everything is stable right now. And it's about finding those last couple of spots on the roster to push toward having a, a really good summer and fall to see, you know, what this first iteration of Brian Kelly's LSU Tigers are going to look like. And how's the team responded as far as you can tell? The, I think the best example would be Kayshawn Butte. 
So Butte was a guy that that but for a few boosters stepping up and Gordon McKernan, a, you know, an injury attorney here, mm-hmm. uh, being the one at the front of the line. Dan, I mean, Keishon Butte would, would probably be at Alabama right now with Elias Ricks. Um, and when they got him to stick around, Brian Kelly in his pre-spring press conference made a, a – he was asked specifically about Keishon Butte, and he called him out. He called him out about being the guy that needed to be more engaged. It's not typically what you hear coaches do to star players. But, you know, I think it's just that's a guy that had to learn that there's going to be a different expectation. He was injured. It was pretty clear that Ed Ogeron didn't require him to be at practice or around the facility or the meeting rooms. And that changed with Brian Kelly. He wanted everybody on the, on the team involved everywhere, in the training room, in the weight room, at practice. And so – they kind of had that that heart to heart, and, and Kayshawn's reengaged, which is a great thing. So, I think mostly what I can say is this is a, a roster. Like guys don't come to LSU Dan to, to go to go six and six. It just no. The, the expectation here is so different, and all these guys that are here want to win. That doesn't mean they're gonna win or gonna win a championship this year, or even contend for it or anything like that. But I, I, I think there is a belief right now with the guys they have in what the coaching staff is selling them on. And that's that's, very, that's a very different vibe than what you and I and Chuck have talked about the last two years around here. Find him on Twitter, at Matt Moscona is how you can find Matt Moscona, host after further review. Weekdays, 3 to 6 p.m. Central, ESPN, Baton Rouge, New Orleans, Alexandria, and beyond. And one more just in terms of the overall view. I mean, you just talked about, you know, just the difference in expectations and and what is expected from a structure standpoint. You know, Matt, do you almost kind of get the feeling that the players were hoping for that and then they finally got it and now it's like, okay, this is what this looks like? I don't know, man. It's hard to say, right? If you're a, if you're, if you're a high schooler and you commit to a coach and a, a certain coaching staff, you really don't know any better. Like you're committed to a coach and a staff and it's your first experience in college athletics. It's not like in, in the pros where – you might, as a free agent, get a look at, at many different types of organizations and how they run. I think more than anything, Dan, it's just the results speak for themselves, right? I mean, what you were doing clearly was not working. So now this guy comes in who's won more games than any active coach in college football right now, and he presents a very different front than Ed Ogeron. Brian Kelly is very presidential, so to speak. He's very organized and structured. Ed Ogeron was none of those things. He had his strengths. He had a lot of weaknesses as well. So I think more than anything, it's just for those guys, not necessarily that they wanted more structure. It's just they want to win, and you're bringing in a guy who has proven he can do that. And so I think you have a lot of buy-in for that reason. Yeah, and, I mean, it's only going to be a matter of time to see what it means in terms of the on-field success. I mean, I know that there's a lot of different – predictions out there for what the 2022 season will look like for LSU but I guess you know it's also what type of players do you have on the field so let's get into some of those players uh, Noah Kane is a player that uh, raised a few eyebrows uh, when uh, he decided to uh, leave Penn State and come play at LSU what can they expect from him and, and just that running back group as, as a whole this season yeah so that's a Louisiana kid who went to IMG and then ended up at Penn State was really good early got and he battled some injuries sort of lost his spot. Dan, he's going to have some ground to make up, man. I mean, he, he's not, he was not here for spring, so he'll be here for the summer. Um, 
But, man, a guy like John Emery is leading that group right now. And Emery was a five-star. For those who follow recruiting, you might remember his name, you know, out of, out of Destrehan, Louisiana, down by New Orleans. He was a five-star and one of the top running backs in the country. And his career has just kind of not gone as you'd expect. He was a, you know, he was in a log jam in the championship team in 19. And then 2020 was the COVID year, which was just a mess for everybody. And then last year, he was academically ineligible. But credit to that kid, he's really focused himself and, and refocused himself on having a great year, which is likely his NFL draft year. You know, he certainly could use another season because of the COVID year if he wanted to, but I don't think that's likely. So if Noah Kane comes in, he's going to make any hay. He's going to have to leapfrog John Emery and some of the other guys. Dan, they got four or five guys in that room, if you count Josh Williams, a former walk-on, who's a veteran player. But they got a lot of guys in that room that they like, but realistically none of them has proven they can be a bell cow. So someone's going to have to step up, and maybe it will be Noah Kane, but John Emery would, would be the leader in the clubhouse there. And then let's flip it over to defense. Mike Jones Jr. is uh, somebody that came in last season, and some good and some uh, a little bit more that LSU fans wanted to see from him. What exactly can you get from him in that linebacker group that needs so many players to step up and step forward? You know, it's so weird, Dan. So, so I went back and looked. Last year at this time, when Todd McShay put out his way too early mock draft for for the draft that just happened, right? Mm-hmm. So this was a year ago projecting this draft that just happened. He had Mike Jones as a first round pick, and like Mike Jones showed up at LSU from Clemson, where he was sort of that that overhang linebacker, like the role Isaiah Simmons had played. But he came to LSU because he wanted to play play inside, and it just never materialized. Now, he's playing there now, and he seems to have grown and developed in his role, and this coaching staff really likes him a lot. I think he is going to start. But, look, if you asked me what was the biggest – after the season, what was the biggest question on defense, I would have told you linebacker. That cornerback became that because of the transfers with Elias Ricks and Dwight McLaughlin leaving. But they have got to have Mike Jones, Micah Baskerville – Greg Penn, the guys that are returning, they've got to have those guys stay healthy and and produce. Because if they don't, then you're talking about gigantic question marks in the middle and at cornerback where your your top three cornerbacks are going to all be transfers. So your defensive line, I think, is going to be really good, Dan, but I think you hit the nail on the head there, man. Linebacker is that spot where they're not really sure. They, they, they got some guys that have been around, it's just going to be their turn to produce. We'll, we'll have to wait and see if they can. Uh, new defense coordinator Matt House is a linebacker guy. He was a linebacker's coach for the Kansas City Chiefs. So um, it's going to be up to him to maximize these guys this year, and they need to. One final one for Scone. Find him on Twitter, at Matt Moscona, host of After Further Review, weekday afternoons, 3 to 6 p.m. Central on ESPN, Baton Rouge, 104.5 there in Baton Rouge, uh, as well as uh, you can hear him on in New Orleans, Alexandria, and throughout Louisiana and beyond. And uh, that is uh, an individual player, uh, Matt, for you uh, this season that, that you think people will be talking about the most at the end of the 2022 season. Who do you think that player is for LSU? Probably Mason Smith. Um, he, he was a five-star defensive lineman last year, played a lot as a freshman, and he's just really come into his body. And he's he's going to be, you know, Dan, provided he stays healthy, and that's obviously what you hope for all these, these young guys that are really talented. Uh, provided he stays healthy, he's going to be the guy that is just a menace in the middle uh, as, a, as an interior pass rusher, as a guy that 
kid certainly certainly big enough, physical enough to, to defend the run. He, he can play inside or outside. We got that might be cheating a little bit because we did get to see him a little bit last year. But um, man, that that guy looks like he is poised. He wears number zero, so he's the first player in LSU history to wear wear zero. Um, that's that's the guy I'll tell you has the best chance of becoming a household name this year. Yeah, usually those uh, large defensive linemen, you put uh, single digits on them. It's one of those, hey, you got to earn that. You, you got to show that you can wear that number right there. So I guess that uh, shows you how they uh, feel about him here early on in his career. Scone, always great to catch up with you, buddy. We'll have to do it again soon. And uh, soon enough, I'm sure that Chuck will find a Ruby Tuesday or someplace around here to be able to take you to when SEC Media Days uh, swings through here in July. Nothing better than a Ruby Tuesday in a mall in uh, in, in uh, suburban uh, Birmingham, Alabama. But I'm sure we'll make do in the ATL. Yeah, we'll we'll find somewhere. We we got a couple of good spots there near uh, the Omni in uh, downtown Atlanta. Scone, it's always good, buddy. We'll talk soon. All right, thanks, Dan. I appreciate it. And yeah, I mean, you know, look, it's kind of a thing that he said right there. And uh, you heard Dave Bartu say it earlier as well. I bang the same drum. It's never about talent in Baton Rouge. It's never about them because. You see the results from the draft. You saw the results from the draft this past season. I mean, you see that Georgia sets the record, but then right behind them, who's there? LSU. And, of course, what was it met with right there, which I think some people would probably look at me as being an LSU guy and say, is that kind of insulting to you? Does that hurt you to have that kind of come in your direction? I say, no, what's more insulting is that you had all this talent and you didn't do more with it than you did in 2019. 2019, you can't get any higher than that. You had a perfect season. You won a national title. And I'm not saying that that needs to happen every single year, but to have the precipitous drop that the program had, man, that is pretty tough right there. So uh, great to uh, jump through uh, some of uh, the uh, LSU program with uh, Matt Moscona as we go from LSU to Athens because coming up next, this news hit last night for Georgia And I think it talks about necessarily what it says about this particular position group for the dogs. We'll talk about that to close out this Tuesday. It's Dan Matthews in for Chuck Southern sports. Today is the place to find the Chuck Oliver show. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required. And they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. This morning in the Atlanta airport, no one's missing a meal on Mac Wilburn's watch. With 11 restaurants to serve passengers, he's got dining for every destination. And it all started when Mac talked with First Horizon Bank about opening a franchise in the airport. Now it's open for business and cleared for takeoff. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Mac. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today. Everything in college football has always had parity. You know, same scholarship, you know, same academic support, health care, whatever it is. And, um, you know, I don't think we have that balance right now, which could affect, you know, the parity of college football and college athletics as a whole. So, um, 
And I know we got a lot of good people working on it, and uh, I'm sure they'll come up with a good solution for us. Nick Saban, the idea man. That's how he is. As uh, he said that uh, on the Paul Feinbaum show, I think last week at the uh, Regents Traditions uh, Golf Tournament that uh, they play every uh, single year there in the Birmingham area. Been out there before for that event. Always a uh, fun event, and especially to this time of the year when you hadn't had a chance to uh, do much in terms of covering college football because spring practice is done and players are in finals, all that different types of stuff. That's when the coaches usually say, hey, yeah, I'll go play in said golf tournament. And then you're able to put a microphone in front of them and get you some content that uh, lasts you for a little bit. So that's uh, what uh, is afoot this time of the year. Uh, I want to thank both of our, actually all three of our guests, because uh, guest time is done. As uh, we had uh, Dave Bartu at CFB Matrix is how you can find Dave on Twitter, College Football Matrix. You can also get at Kelly Quinlan of uh, Jackets Online part of rivals covering georgia tech as you can follow him on twitter too at kelly underscore quinlan and at matt muscona is how you can find scone if uh, you want to find uh, more coverage on uh, lsu because telling you uh, we've had scone host this program numerous times and his opinions just everything in terms of following that program very few people do it as great as Matt Moscona does. So uh, that's uh, where you can go check him out. I'm sure if you're a Georgia fan or a college football fan in general, last night you saw the news that Marcus Washington, who was a commitment for their class of 2023, reclassified, and now he is going to be joining Georgia as what would normally be his full-on senior season. But in this case, uh, he's going to skip his senior year of high school and go straight to playing in college we've seen players do this before in the past um Jake Bentley is a name that comes to mind. I mean, we've seen other players reclassify and say, all right, well, I'm going to go ahead and start playing college football now. And that's what he's doing. And the size uh, is uh, something that is already there, six foot, 170 pounds. I'm sure they'll probably try to add some weight on him. Uh, that's uh, going to be coming his way uh, this uh, summer as he's going through the uh, strength and conditioning program there in Athens. But I think that another thing as well that what it tells me is that he obviously had the blessing of the Georgia coaching staff because we've talked about where the numbers are uh, signing class wise and also to scholarship wide across the board. And there, I believe, needed to be some numbers, gymnastics, I guess, if you will, to try to be able to make the numbers work. And I guess we'll have to see how that uh, shakes out. Maybe we'll get uh, Roddy Nabolsi or somebody on tomorrow to uh, be able to make a, a little bit more sense of that. But obviously, he had the blessing and I think it also shows that Georgia needs help at this spot and even with Keely Ringo coming back and Christopher Smith coming back you do have some good players but that Georgia defense as a whole lost a lot of really good players so how do you replace really good players you add really good players and a guy like Marcus Washington is a really good player 24-7 sports had him 69th top player in the class of 2023 eighth uh, top uh cornerback commit and also to uh, fifth uh, highest state of Georgia prospect for said class. So he is a top tier player and you're adding him to this group four star according to uh, 24 seven. So don't take this to mean that they don't have players at those spots. I think if you know enough about Kirby smart and what he has been able to do to this point, it's that he very much values talent and he values as much talent as possible. Some programs say, Hey, I don't want to, you know, load up too much with said guys because I don't want to end up having to replace said players. Whereas Kirby Smart, 
I think he looks at the way that his roster is constructed and says, as many top-tier 85 players as I can add to this program, I'm going to add. And if that means we have to replace because somebody moved on and tried to find an opportunity somewhere else, all right, then you got to try to replace and be able to do that from that perspective. But in terms of uh, adding uh, Washington Jr., it's uh, just uh, fitting right in line with how Kirby Smart has built this roster. want to thank David Holloway, Brody behind the glass for their help today. want to thank all of you out there for listening to the Chuck Oliver Show. It's been Dan Matthews in for Chuck. This is the Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today. Have a great rest of your day. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. Tonight in Arkansas, there's a mother tucking in her daughter and turning off the light. A business owner is burning the midnight oil. An at-home dinner date is plating up possibility. And it's all happening under one roof. How? The power of a conversation, like the one John from Integrity Solutions had with First Horizon Bank about his vision for a sustainable mixed-use building. Now it's not just words, it's life. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash John. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. The fan is ready for brave season. Are you? 3-1 smoked high in the air, deep center field, and heading for the horizon. A home run by Olsen. We're streaming every game of the Braves 2024 season free on the 680 The Fan app. So make sure you download it now and don't miss a pitch of the Braves this season.